Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. My name is Lewis, and today I am joined by Martin for a shorter episode today as we look at what's been going on in the playoffs and talk about some wrap-up stuff from this past season. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I need to ask, Martin, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty good. Better than uh, Rays fans right now. Yes. So we are recording Sunday night and the Red Sox just literally seconds ago, seconds ago, as we hit record on this after one of the most insane acts of umpire discretion I think I have seen. Um, I don't, Mar- Martin, what, what would you say? So for those of you who, have uh, opened this up on your morning commute and haven't had a chance to look at this highlight. If this is somehow the first thing you like click, if this is somehow the first thing you've seen today. If it is, that's awesome. Thank you for making us a integral part of your Monday mornings. But just to to get you up to date, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer hit what appeared to be the go-ahead hit in uh what was the top of the 13th there top of the 13th was top of the 13th um, two outs and a runner on third i mean runner on first runner on first the ball out to right field bounces off the outfield wall bounces back hits the right fielder renfro and bounces out of play it bounced just to clarify the the, uh, trajectory here it hit off the wall hit off the ground, hit Renfro, and then bounced back over the fence into the bullpen, those little Fenway right field fences. And he was awarded a double, and the runner was stuck at third. Now, Martin, you found a interesting uh, rule book pulled just a few minutes ago uh what was what was that from the rule book that was was tweeted out there well it's uh rule 5.05 a8 which jesus this the rule book is so weird sometimes but (laughs) here's the exact definition any bounding fair ball is deflected by the fielder into the stands or over or under a fence on fair or foul territory in which case the batter and all runners shall be entitled to advance two bases. So accurate by the, to the letter of the law in no. the sense that it bounced, Renfro hip-checked it out of play, and it got ruled a two-base uh, something. Yes. And... But the umpire, the question is, if no. that fence had been normal size, like eight or nine feet like most fences are, if that bounces off the wall and away from Renfro back onto the field. Oh, he scores with, without yeah. a doubt, he scores and it's Kiermeyer and he's, he's trucking. He might be sitting on third now. Whoever, I think it was Yandy Diaz on third and he's not fast, but he's still almost certainly going to score. Yeah. And he's, he's going with the swing of the bat because it's two outs. Now I am interested because it's the runner is allowed the runner and batter advance two bases, right? Now, if the runner was already to second base at the time it bounds into the stands, 
I would think the interpretation would be that he then gets two bases from there. Like when a, when an infielder throws the ball into the dugout or something like that, runners are allowed to advance one base from where they had been. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, I am sure they will need to clarify what this ruling was at, at some point. There's going to yeah, be something. Yeah, this is such a weird once in a million scenario. Someone else just tweeted out the only way the Rays could have legally gotten a run on that play is if the umpires ruled that he did that on purpose. Yeah. Which he didn't. It just kind of deflected. But which is the second time that uh, a Red Sox accident has impeded Ray's running because earlier in the game, oh my uh, God, Randy right. Rosarena was tripped by a clueless looking Schwarber as he rounded first and probably would have had a triple and instead was stuck on second. Now the next batter struck out. So maybe that Schwarber's... doesn't affect it, but uh, I, you can't make that call. There's you pitch much yeah, differently with a and... runner on third. Than a runner on that second. demonstrates the uh, downsides of having, oh, it's the old money ball joke. It's not that hard to play first base. It's incredibly hard. Yeah, exactly. You got Schwarber, who's only been playing first base since he joined the Red Sox two months ago. The Rays have Jordan Luplo playing first base half the time for some reason, who's like, I think an outfielder by trade, but yeah. So uh, it's a, it's interesting. Um, so yes. we're, we're going to talk a little so bit. Anyway, after all of the Kiermaier nonsense, Mike Zanino struck out to end the frame. And then Christian Vasquez hit a walk-off two-run homer. And I'm just going to say right now, lost in the mix is going to be Nick Pavetta's performance. I don't think it's going to be lost in the mix. Or uh, kind of lost. Because he, he was pitching the hell out of that he has extra innings definitely saved uh the red Sox season it feels like here yeah and, uh just a, a great job by him uh well while we're while we're on this series here now it's it stands at uh you know red Sox two raise one got another game at fenway here um uh this wonderful monday here and how are, are you feeling about this series as it's moving on here? The Rays have a bullpen game tomorrow, as far as I'm aware. And they used their entire, basically their entire bullpen in this game. Yeah. That never bodes well. Like they used the ostensible game four starter Patino for an inning and change until he gave up the game losing home run they used david robertson for two innings they used their closer for two innings in like the third inning yeah and the thing is so you know usually they've had they've had pitching injuries all season glass now and everyone but this was their achilles heel the whole time just pitching depth yeah and like it's weird to say this about the rays they were gonna have to hit their way out of it and that is a bit of a question mark against the Red Sox offense. Yeah. And the thing is, so, you know, usually in the division series with just how it's structured with two day off, two day off one, you're, you're rarely going to put yourself in a situation where the bullpen is gassed because most major league relievers can pitch two days in a row before they need a day off. And you're never going to pitch more than two days in a row in the division series. However, with stretching them out for two innings at a time, 
I'm not sure if uh, if Robertson's going to be able to go back out there. If if any of those guys are are actually going to be available tomorrow, I mean, they they're probably going to to have to try. But at at what point are you just kind of setting them up for failure? The Red Sox got some looks at them tonight, and now they're going to be a little worn down going into it tomorrow. I just. Uh, I'm not sure who's pitching tomorrow for the Red Sox either. No one, no one has been announced uh, as the starters here. I think Pavetta might have been who they were. Yeah, he was. It was sort of a dueling game four starters thing with Pavetta and Patino and Pavetta. Some piggyback stuff. Who I've been joking about just because his status as like former Phillies prospect, mediocre pitcher, but he's. (laughs) He came up big. He was at one point, I think he struck out five guys in a row, but that was a very fun, very strange game. Yes. We've had a lot of those already this young postseason. You know, we we really have. I mean, uh since since the last episode, we've had both wild card games, uh, which were were pretty exciting. Um I mean, the the big thing from the AL wildcard game was was sending Judge um, and getting thrown out, which uh, I don't know if that changes the game all that much because it just felt like the Red Sox had that one. Then you had the Dodgers Cardinals, which was phenomenal. Just a, just a real fun game to watch. You know, usually when it's 1-1 going into the ninth, a lot of people will think, ah, it's been just kind of boring. But really, that game, there was a lot of traffic on the base. It was a weird, it was like a weird, both starters, who was it? Wainwright and Scherzer. Scherzer didn't make it five. Wainwright got taken out in the sixth. And then it was, well, the Dodgers had their best relievers for the last three innings, but it was if I had to pick a biggest like specific tactical mistake by the Cardinals manager, I think it would be not giving uh, Gallegos the ninth inning. He pitched the eighth. He looked great. He had a pretty normal pitch count. See, I think, uh, I think the biggest tactical mistake and granted, I don't, I mean, I watch a lot of baseball. Um, I watch more AL ball than NL ball, but to me, the biggest mistake was in the top of the sixth, they had uh, Adam Wainwright hit for himself. There were, yes. there were uh, two outs and you had a runner on first. And rather than pitch it, Wainwright against uh, Gratterall there, uh, let Wainwright swing away. He grounds out the next inning. He comes out gets an out and then Trey Turner singles and you know, Wainwright's replaced. Yeah. And we've had uh, a, yeah. I think it was a uh, Jarrett Seidler on Mets, the Mets side of Twitter, who has like a running joke about like anytime a manager lets a hitter, a pitcher hit for himself and then pull him after a single base runner in the next inning. It's like, it's such an NL manager thing to do. Yeah. And it just, it just seems like it drives gonna... me off the wall every time because it's like, yeah. I don't remember who said this. Some analyst, I think, said a couple of years ago that in the playoffs, you should sort of imagine every inning with the scenario of what happens if the first two guys reach base, who are you going to have pitching? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, that's not really uh, 
like a realistic thought, but in that situation, I don't know who their bench is. I don't know who they had on their bench that was likely to get like an extra base hit against Gratterall, but. Well, just any sort of it pressure was, there, really. Yeah, it was a questionable moment. Yeah, and I mean, but, if it's one thing if you're you're going with Rain, Wainwright and you think, you know what, he can power through here and uh, and get another inning, but if you've got a short leash as far as, ah, someone doinked a one-out single against him, um, yeah, that that just feels like well, shoot, you you should have pinch hit for him there. But, anyways, um, that was that was way back on Wednesday, and we've had lots of baseball since. Um, yes. And we we want to talk about that a little more uh, in in a little bit. We'll we'll talk about some of the ongoing series here uh, as the White Sox and Astros are now duking it out in the bottom of the third. White Sox are making a little bit of a comeback here. We'll see where they're at by the end of this episode. Um, but so a couple of things I wanted to, to talk about with you, Martin here, um, has the defense this postseason just felt like it's been tighter than, than most years. Yeah. And definitely some of that is just the presence of the Rays and who have Kevin Kiermeyer and I guess Wander Franco, well, he's more good than great, but the Giants and Dodgers, these first two games, the Giants did not play a totally clean game last night, but the Giants and Dodgers, the Dodgers have bets. They've got Bellinger, even as tampered as he is. They've got both of those teams just play a tremendously good defense. It's like that was the Giants' best case scenario going into the season where you've got like Crawford and Posey and just a bunch of athletic guys in the outfield and eventually one of them's going to, make a great play but they're just also not really making very many mistakes yeah and the the thing i feel like i feel like watching those dodgers giants games there are so many times where it looks like oh that's a single single to the gap and then one of the third guys right just there like yeah dies the defensive gets, positioning or the shortstop been... just smothers it. it it feels like in order for either team to get a hit, they either need to get the ball in the air or uh, find a way to beat the shift. <laughs> like, it just seems like a very smothering defense. You have on, to hit uh, the, both You sides. have to hit the crap out of the ball to get anywhere. Yeah, like, the, or, or just hit it very, very softly and have it just kind of roll along the infield there, like a swinging bunt. <laughs> And so that, that kind of goes to the second part of uh, what I, I feel like has come into play a lot so far this postseason um, is putting pressure on the shift. Now, one thing uh, I know a lot of people complain about having a game on MLB Network since it's not on every basic cable package. If you are one of those people who pays for either cable satellite or a streaming service like Sling, and you are upset that MLB Network is carrying games, you should check because most years, and they're doing it again this year, most years MLB Network has a sneak preview, quote unquote, where during the first couple of weeks of the playoff, when they're airing playoff games, they go down to basic cable for free or get onto the lowest level of sling TV. 
uh, or, or just get carried on Comcast or something. So if you're complaining about that, double check, you might actually have MLB Network for the next two weeks. So good for you. But uh, on their broadcast, they had a really nice shift tracker. Did you notice this, Martin? I saw that. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed seeing it because that's one thing, you know. It's for a, I've seen that. I think they've had that before where you can like see just a little sort of video game tactical mini map thing of where the fielders are. There was a very fun sequence in uh, one of the extra innings where Rosa Reina got on base, stole second on, on a shifted infield, the ball, the throw skipped a little bit away and he looked up and saw nobody covering third because of the shift and just started booking it for third. But then uh, Pavetta and the catcher both got to third base before him, so he had to retreat. It was a very like kinetic, funny sequence. Well, and that's that's the thing that I feel like I feel like I've seen these teams do a little more is really try to punish the shift like that, that the, that play you just mentioned, and then obviously the biggest play um, from the week, one of the most exciting. Uh, when he stole straight stole home in game one of that series because the third baseman's in the shift he's nowhere near the bag and he he just just walked straight straight halfway between home and third and then just timed it well and took off yeah he saw the uh, red sox red sox lefty reliever had like a very clear timing mechanism where he'd get set tap his uh, front foot like five times or something. And then, so as soon as the pitcher got set, he just broke for home. Like they tried that last year with Kershaw with the, uh, with Kershaw's like slow, high, I don't know what you'd call it, that high set he does where he holds his arms like 10 feet in the air and then (laughs) slowly brings them back down. And Kershaw caught it that time, but this time the guy, I guess, was less experienced and didn't really have a countermeasure and just Rosarena got an incredible jump. It was like like he was safe the instant he booked it. Yeah, it was really good. And that I love putting that pressure on the shift. And uh like when the defense is that far out of position, you've gotta put pressure on them like that. You've got to make, yeah, them, think of, uh, make them feel out of position, try to get them to go back, um, looking at taking third. And then, I mean, the classic one that everyone complains about, but actually finally started happening. Uh, I was watching Braves Brewers and Eddie Rosario, bunt base hit against the Brewers in game two, just lays it down nice and easy that way. Um, yeah, it, happen- it happens less frequently than it should. Like even I'm like a, the bunt is not exactly a guaranteed hit guy, but I'm not, I'm not one of the people who thinks that bunting is a guaranteed hit because it's still, you got to execute, but guys should do it more than they are. Well, and that's, so I, there, someone got into it with me on the subreddit, uh, trying to say that obviously analytics must say it's not the right move because otherwise people would be doing it. I'm not sure they quite understand the full dynamic of trying to talk to an MLB player and uh, work with their ego, no matter what your analytics say. 
Um, but the, like you said, the big thing is the execution and making sure you can actually get that bunt down. Um, one thing I've got to watch Eddie Rosario for years on the twins and he would do this a few times a year and it would be like the first game of the series. He'd drop a bunt down for a base hit and the rest of the series, the other team would have that third baseman shifted over there and would be guarding the line until there were two strikes. So it, it works when you, when you pull it off and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just excited to see how teams continue to try to put pressure on the shift. And I think uh, we should let this next evolution of the game play out before we, we jump to banning the shift, just cause I mean, you, you gotta let, uh, let oh these things play out. Yep. The, the White Sox just took the lead in the bottom of the third with a three-run bomb. Uh, Yuri Garcia, Garcia had a three-run home run off of Yimi Garcia, who who replaced uh, Luis Garcia. So we've got Garcia <laughs> on Garcia replacing Garcia. So many Garcias. So, uh, well, this this might so be the a White series. Sox have uh, and one one run pushed lead the here. last yeah. nail back out of their coffin. I'm yes. still <laughs> I'm still pretty confident they're toast maybe even in this game because it's only like the third inning but yeah it's they uh, have to win three games against a very very good baseball team it, it it's it's amazing how different these these series are i mean uh this white Sox houston game bottom of the third there's 11 runs scored um there have not been 11 runs scored in the brewers Braves series yet through two full yeah, games. it was uh two one and then three nothing i think yes and so that is a series uh i'm really really interested in now i i had pulled it up um the brewers and braves are the worst two offensive teams in the playoffs um, the, the Braves are a, a slightly above average to average team, depending on your metrics uh, on offense. The Brewers are a below average offensive baseball team. And yes, they made some moves at the deadline and had their offense surge a little bit, but they still were below average in the second half in aggregate. Yeah, and the Braves are still replacing, or the Braves replaced Acuna's production, but he's still part of the reason why they had a better offense in the yeah. first half. So. Yeah. But. I had a, I, I had a, a Braves fan on the subreddit in the, the serious next day threads, which if you're not joining in those serious next day threads, you're missing out. Those are a lot, a lot of great discussion in there, but he was saying, I don't understand why our, why our offense didn't get so much better in the second half. Well, cause you lost to Cunha. Your best player got your best player blew out his ACL in July, was it? Yeah, like yeah, I, but... I know you made some moves at the deadline. I know you picked up a number of uh, of players that have actually come out and uh, made some uh, made some big differences here, but it's still not going to replace Acuna. Um, yeah, and... So. <laughs> So uh, and yesterday in game two, the Brewers had a bunch of missed opportunities against Atlanta's bullpen. Yes. My favorite one being the ninth inning where Will Smith, who for those who have not watched the Braves this year, Will Smith, the uh, Braves closer, not the Dodgers catcher, 
has been the like king of tightrope walk closers where if you give him a one run lead, he is probably going to blow it. And for every other case, he's probably going to put like the tying run at the plate or on base. And then most of the time get out of it. Shades of the Fernando Rodney experience. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) More, more solo home runs than walks. But in this case, three run lead puts the first two guys on and then gets a ground, a fly out and a double play to end the game within two pitches. So like, it was like a speed run of his own usual experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, we know both of those offenses, I mean, they're not bad offenses, right. They, but compared to the rest of the playoff field, um, they, they look a lot worse, but they also have pretty good pitching staffs. Um, I'm interested yeah, the- here after Morton and Freed go- went uh, for the Braves there. Ian Anderson is on the mound. Now his ERA is is down at like 350, but his Sierra and his FIP are both a little higher. Uh, so I'm I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Like you said, the Brewers kind of have been getting to the Braves bullpen a little bit and getting runners on. But you know, if you can't score runs, you can't win, no matter how good your pitching is. So I think yeah, it's they gonna got be really interesting to one, see how that two plays run, out. Yeah. They got one two-run home run in game one, and that's been it so far. Yeah. Just uh just an interesting, interesting series to see how it plays out. So uh, I guess game three for them is Freddie Peralta. I'm not sure who's game four. I uh, it'll be Eric interesting Lauer, but... to to see what they what they come up with. It might depend on the results of game three. Yeah. Um, which I think that's true for most teams that that game four depends on how the other two games go. As we just saw the Rays and Red Sox plans probably a little yeah, shot. Yeah, shades of that uh, 18 inning game in yes. 2018 where Evaldi was <laughs> supposed to pitch game four and then they had to scramble. So they'll, uh, well, they'll they have to that one, cobble but... something together there. Um, now... The series that has been the most hyped series probably of the postseason here and also um, the primetime, but also late night games. Oh, my God. I'm I'm on the East Coast. These games have started at (laughs) 930. I am I am miserable. (laughs) The the Dodgers giant series tied one game apiece. I don't, I don't think you could have thought any differently that it would be anything other than a, a hard fought back and forth series here. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know as much as I've got it down here to, to talk about our thoughts on it. Um, I just feel like it's just going to be a hard fought series. These are two really, really good teams. Um, I mean, Scherzer's on the mound game three for the Dodgers, but he's looked a little shaky. So I'm not sure how much. Yeah, he's looked mortal. He's looked mortal. Yeah. I mean, he put out a gutsy performance in the wildcard game, um, looked shaky at first and still managed to, to eat some innings. So we'll we'll see. I don't I don't really have much to add to this series other than this is must watch TV. And I wish it was able to start earlier especially when I have work the next day. That's, yes. that's always. <laughs> and in game one, 
I think probably the, I think the defining performance, well, we won't know who the defining star is until it's over, but Logan Webb's start in game one was incredible. Like that was, yes. like that was a star making game. Absolutely. And relative, I, relative unknown who's been fantastic in the second half, but just cruised through seven and two thirds against a slightly weakened Dodgers lineup, but he made them look silly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested there. There were talks. Maybe he goes on short rest, um, but also, you know, he's, he's a 24 year old who uh, his best season the last two years, he's has had an ERA over five. Right. Um, And this is clearly, you can see what he's doing. Like, it's not you're what you watch his pitches and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy looks like a really good pitcher, but you never really, yeah, you, you never know how to feel about pitchers on short rest. We've seen Kershaw falter on short rest time after time yeah. back in the day, but and also they have Alex Wood going in game three tomorrow, who's you know good, but Alex Wood, and then they've got, I guess, Di Sclafani. Maybe should also have been pretty darn good this year. I thought he was going to be their game three starter. Well, I think he has, um, I think he's slowed down, down the stretch. If, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I remember he got out to a, a torrid hot start. Um, yes, has did had uh, a Gossman couple of complete got... game shutouts before the all-star break. And then, you know, he's still still going, getting lots of innings in, um, but, you know, just just not been quite as sharp down the stretch as he had been at the beginning of the year. So we'll, yeah, we'll that's, see. That's definitely also true for Gosman, who, like, just for instance, last night he had basically two bad innings that sunk him, but he was not the super ace that he was in the first half yeah. for, for most of last year. So we, we will see how that plays out. Um, and then uh, the final series going on right now, in which you know, the game's now top of the fourth, two hours after it started. Uh, <laughs> God. And uh, that one's, that's going to be a late one. That, that's, this is probably going to go longer than any of the, the Dodgers-Giants games, even though it started an hour earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. Game one of the... Dodgers Giants was like two hours, 30 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was very nice of them for those of us who wanted to go to bed. Um, (laughs) And uh, it's what happens when you've got pitchers that are are hitting their spots. They're not walking people um, and are are just generally getting through innings. So um, now, now Martin, you said for this Astros White Sox series that you wanted to be the first one to say the White Sox were toast and then be proven wrong. Is that correct? Yeah, I am I am planting my flag after I got all after I got on the Lance Lynn bandwagon for about three days and then he just got destroyed in game one. <laughs> I am planting my flag on the they are toast banner. Or yeah, and who knows? Maybe by the time anyone's listening to this, 
they they will be toast and they'll be out of it. Um, you know what? If the Astro, if the White Sox come back and win it in five, old takes exposed. I will give you my number. Yeah. <laughs> or username. I don't want to give people my actual number, but old takes exposed. You know where I live. Well, and it, I, it, like I said uh, before, I feel like it comes down to if Rodon is good to go or not. And uh, apparently he has not been good to go. And uh, that is going to make yeah, a Unfortunately, big who could have ever predicted Carlos Rodon getting hurt? <laughs> uh, that, I feel bad for saying that, but yeah. yeah. How, how could this happen? He's only so thrown Dylan the most Cease, innings since 2016. <laughs> yeah. So Dylan Cease started this game for the White Sox and he got his butt kicked and Michael Kopech, who I am a huge fan of, is currently pitching, but he's holding the fort. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I know a little different episode than uh, last week, especially for you listeners at home. Thank you for sticking with us here through the postseason. Matt, how, I, I had to count it up. Um, last week, we had what? There were three hosts, four hosts. <laughs> and then we also had uh, one, two, three, what? Four, four other team reps on to talk about their teams five 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 uh, yeah we had nine subreddit okay, counts on count yeah nine users on last uh last week which was awesome which is exactly when we started this way back last december the sort of thing that we wanted it to be so sorry that uh this week it was what i didn't want it to be which is just two guys talking to a microphone late on a sunday night um, but hey, that's that's what yeah, we thanks got to in the, the dumbest thirteen inning game and in yes, <laughs> since that other since uh, yeah. there were not really any extra long playoff games in uh, twenty nineteen. Were there? No, it was pretty pretty straight through. Um, I had Rays fans ready ready to talk um, if we have enough notice, and we just didn't. Um, so. Um, well, thank you, listeners at home, for sticking with it. We're, we won't go to a, uh, a different outro here. We'll make things easier on Nime for editing. So uh, thank you for listening, everyone listening. Uh, we release every Monday morning, bright and early. So be sure to subscribe and leave any reviews if you would like, as long as they're good. If you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> don't say them at all. That's uh, what I've been told. And that's that's the review philosophy I think our listeners should take. Um, <laughs> but uh, my name is Lewis. I am so privileged to be co-hosting today and also executive produced this wonderful podcast. Martin is here joining me for the episode. Our production Hello. admin is Christine. Our editor is Nime, And our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next Monday with some more playoff takes. Martin, thanks for joining me tonight. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And uh, a big thank you to my wife for uh, understanding playoff baseball and being willing to let me sit and watch a lot this uh, this week. So thank you. Thank you to her. And thank you to all of our listeners for uh, supporting us and making this just a wonderful experience. So we'll be back next week.